0: This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends
1: and the Leads Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode of Marketing Trends features an interview with Marie Rosecrans, Senior Vice President of Small and Medium Business Marketing at Salesforce. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Marie talks all about how to get to know your target market and your target customer. She also talks about how to build a great marketing team, her favorite ad campaigns, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison.
0: Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are at very high up in the air, in the cloud, pardon the pun here, at Salesforce Tower. Marie, what's going on?
2: Hi, Ian.
0: It's a great day. It is a
2: fantastic day.
0: I'm so excited be talking about your career, your leadership style. We're going to talk about marketing to SMBs, small, medium businesses. But first, how did you get into marketing in the first place?
2: So I am what I would call an accidental marketer. Sure. Sure. I was not, unlike a lot of people uh, who are in college and think that they are going to go into marketing, I was not one of those people. I was a political science major and I had aspirations to work on political campaigns and maybe even for a congressperson, but believe it or not, my the company that I was working for at the time had gone through a number of layoffs. There was a huge gap in product marketing and one of the leaders said, How about you become a product marketer? And so (laughs) almost immediately, I started um, shadowing account executives, going on the road with them, understanding what the messaging and positioning was, trying to get a sense from them what sales assets they needed, what kind of leave-behinds we needed to create and deliver. And that's how my product marketing career started.
0: Do you feel like... When you were in college, hanging out at the Bronco, you were dreaming of, uh, of one day uh, a, a career in something other than marketing?
2: You know, I don't know if I ever dreamt of having a career in any one specific thing. I have always been an individual that has been hyper-focused on learning and trying different things. And so as evidenced by my career... Um, Marketing is one of the many things that I've had the good fortune of being able to do.
0: So you spent Brieston at Oracle, you were at PeopleSoft, and you went to a company called Primavera. What is
2: it? I did. So actually... The startup that I was working at was acquired by Primavera. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And so, and now Primavera is part of Oracle. Believe it or not, they were acquired. Um, They were largely in construction project management, but they acquired the startup that I was at because we had developed an IT app dev project management technology that I was a product marketer for.
0: Yeah. So then... Did somebody come knocking saying, hey, we want you to come to Salesforce or what happened next?
2: So after the Primavera acquisition, I was taking a career pause. I had, my husband and I had made the conscious decision that we were, I was going to stay home for a little while. I had had my son and had returned to work rather immediately. And then um, after having my daughter, I decided I wanted to be home for a little while. And my former boss from Primavera, and also that startup, she too had kind of gone through the acquisition by Primavera, uh, called me up uh, one day and said, I have a job with your name on it. And so um, lo and behold, I found childcare for my daughter. I came up to the city and I think two days later, I had a job offer from Salesforce to be a product marketer. On the App Exchange, and it was frankly as quick as that. And two weeks later, I was commuting, <laughs> and here at Salesforce, and here I am, eleven and a half years later.
0: What were those early days of App Exchange like? Because I, you know, we interviewed Layla um, yeah. for IT Visionaries and kind of talked about that a little bit, but it seemed like this was something that at the time was. Obviously new to everyone. Sure. Including Steve Jobs. Yeah,
2: Exactly. (laughs) So it was so early on. And I mean, I think, I don't even know, but I think it's about 2 million app installs right now. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to check on the actual stats, but... I mean, it was so in the early days, right? And I had been hired to be the product marketer for the checkout capability. So, the e commerce capability for the App Exchange. And so, not only were we trailblazing with the App Exchange itself, but then also now trying to launch this checkout capability as well. And so, It was super early days and it was literally just a few months or maybe even six months later that I found myself shifting into another job because things were just always fluid and very much changing as was typical in a very rapidly growing company, which Salesforce continues to be.
0: You have a really interesting story of uh, one of your first days on the job with AppExchange.
2: Can you share that? I literally started on Monday by, I think, Wednesday of that week, Layla and I were out recruiting partners for this checkout capability. And Jason Lemkin, who was the founder and CEO of Echo Sign at the time, she and I drove down to Palo Alto and met with him. And I remember being completely taken in by his energy and his exuberance and frankly, his... I'll call it very frank, uh, <laughs> character. He definitely no holds barred told us exactly, uh, what he thought. I walked out of that meeting thinking, I don't know if we, I, I don't quite know what happened there, but I think we got our first checkout customer. So it was very successful.
0: It's so funny because, and I actually just came from interviewing Jason, which is a small world and he's going to be on, uh, the journey podcast, which we'll get into later. But, uh, you know it's such a small world, and I think um, you know one of the hallmarks of your career has been the longevity of being with companies and kind of sticking it through. And like I think you know what's so interesting with a lot of Salesforce executives is this long tenure that you have to see things through to multiple iterations, like multiple points of of conclusions and 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 growth. I'm curious, like when you're kind of in the moment, are you thinking about something like staying for a long time, or are you just kind of more in the moment trying to get stuff done?
2: Well, in the early days, particularly that first year when I was the mother of two young kids at home, (laughs) it was very, very challenging. But that said, I mean, I've stayed at Salesforce and at, you know, the other companies that I've stayed at for a long time or a while anyway, because they've offered these incredible growth opportunities for me to stretch myself and do new things and try new things. And frankly, I think that's why, I know that's why I've stayed here. And I think that that is why you see a number of people here at Salesforce who have chosen to stay and chosen to commit themselves to Salesforce because this company offers incredible growth opportunities.
0: I'm always just in awe of how, serious people like take the mission and take the core values and things like that. And I think SMBs are kind of a different animal. You know, it is something that, each company is so different they're strapped for resources they're strapped for cash their time is really valuable you know when we were brainstorming ideas for this podcast the journey that we that we do in partnership with salesforce essentials we were thinking like how do we make the episodes like really manageable 12 minute 10 minute stories because they're so busy things like that i'm curious like after you know all this time working with smb's like what are some of the insights there? What are some of the ways that you think about SMBs as as different than potentially like larger organizations?
2: Such a great question. I think one of the things that, I mean, differentiates the way that we approach SMBs is that we understand all of those things that you just mentioned, right? We understand that these are people who are wearing a lot of different hats every day, that some of them you know don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to make payroll at yeah. the end of the month they stay up late at night because they want to make sure that they have the ability to hire and retain and re-recruit their best employees they want to deliver an incredible customer experience because they know that customer experience is the brand and that is the battlefield that they're operating in. So I'm very, very cognizant of how we have to honor small businesses every day in the work that we do because they are a group of companies that fuel this economy. And I know that that is an honor that we take very seriously.
0: Yeah. And I would add to that, that it's a group that is extremely different by geography. It's a group that's extremely different by industry. It's a group that, I I mean, I personally think that it's probably the hardest demographic to market to in the country. Like Consumers at the end of the day, consumer goods like you know, they're kind of going to buy it or they're not enterprise is you have like large group buying decisions. Now we have things like account-based marketing and things like that, that we kind of are starting to understand that stuff. I think a lot better now. I personally think SMB is like really more of a black box. I don't know, you know, how many organizations are out there that are doing it really, really well because it's so difficult. I'm curious, like what are, what are some thoughts from, from where you're sitting on how marketers could, just better mentally approach SMBs?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the one thing that we're hyper cognizant of is being where small businesses are at. Mm -hmm. That's a big um, consideration for us. I think one of the things, you know, trust is the number one value here at Salesforce. One of the things that our team is hyper focused on is, how do we establish trust with these small businesses and this small business community? Salesforce is known and associated with a lot of the Fortune 500, a Mm -hmm. lot of the biggest enterprise companies in the world. But we, as a small business marketing team, are hyper-focused on making sure that these small businesses also know that we have the tools, the resources that can help power their growth and just help them run their businesses. And so, That is something that we as a team are hyper-focused on. And the way that we get to them is being where they're at. So it's being in those small business communities. It's being on social. It's being in events. It's being uh, with a lot of these, you know, smaller groups within their communities where they're actually going to get the information and the coaching and the guidance that they need in order to grow their businesses. And that's not just in San Francisco. It's all over the United States. It's all over the world.
0: Yeah, we um, earlier in my career, I did a, uh, I did this like webinar series. This was back a number of years ago. And I remember it was for veteran owned businesses. And I remember we did this webinar with like 600 veteran owned businesses. And it's like, I remember all of the comments for the other than this is actually a funny story. The first comment was just like, I can't believe I woke up at 9am for this. I'm like, my bad man. Um, my bad bro. Uh, sorry, buddy. Um, I'll get you your $0 for back. <laughs> um, but, uh, but every comment was so specific to their business. It was like every single person wanted that individualized advice. And you think about, how difficult of a problem that is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you provide helpful content at scale to people who really all feel like their business is different? Because it is. I, I think it's just such a unique challenge.
2: It is. I think one of the things that I find most rewarding about working with small businesses, though, is seeing how they've built their communities around their products and services, just like we have built Trailblazer communities around our products and small business overall. Like we know that small businesses, while different and unique from one another, also get a lot of value From talking to one another, learning from one another, growing from one another, and so for us as an organization, we're all about trying to bring those communities together, just like they're bringing their communities together around their products and services.
0: You know, it's funny. So we just spent this is actually yesterday. It's very timely. So we just spent the whole day recording. The demo at, yes, at the at, I saw the pitch at Mission HQ. Did you? Oh, yes. great! Um, you looked
2: great, by the way. <laughs>
0: thanks. I had hair and makeup did wonders for me. But it was really interesting. Number one, how awesome it was to work with your whole creative team, um, and how just thoughtful they were about like our time and how valuable our time was. But it was thinking about like our business as as mission and the different our customers that we serve and our listeners that we serve and all of that stuff, and it kind of really made me think about how many things are enabled by technology that you don't necessarily remember. And so I was trying to go like back to the basics for myself of like, what was it like before I had a CRM? Like I was trying to put myself in that mindset. That's kind of a difficult thing for a marketer to do. Like, imagine you just don't know what this thing is anymore, that something that you've used for the past, you know, 10 years of your life or whatever it is. Do you find that there's any like types of things as, you know, with a background in product marketing as it relates to SMBs, like where you have to unlearn what you have learned?
2: Well, I mean, that's one of the best parts about working with small businesses is you really do have to put yourself in their shoes. And that's probably one of the most gratifying aspects of this job is I get to talk to customers every day, um, sometimes multiple times a day. What small businesses are going through and what they do to actually be successful is it's incredibly sobering and chastening to some degree because you understand how badly they want it many of them do and there's something that we try to capture we try to capture that in our marketing i mean so many of our customers particularly on you know salesforce essentials our newest small business product They are like literally running their business on notebooks and post-it notes and spreadsheets and all of those things. And to help them see the value of a CRM and tell us that, wow, this has had a business changing impact on my business. I don't know. Like I get super excited about coming to work every day and getting to do that. Like that's awesome. How lucky am I? I mean, I feel like I'm super lucky that that's the type of impact that our team is having.
0: You know, switching to your kind of like leadership philosophy, I'm curious, like, how do you kind of impart the wisdom over the years, especially in an organization where you've been here a long time, so that when you're not there, they have that a little bit of uh, the Marie's sprinkle dust, like, you know, dust on there of like how I think, but also letting them, you know, do their own thing.
2: Here's the thing. I trust every single person on my team. They are smarter than me. They are better at their job than I am at what they're doing. And they know that. And so they go to those shoots. They go to these customer events. They sit in front of hundreds or thousands of people and present or build, you know, a first call deck, knowing that I trust in their ability to do that. And, and I think that every single person on my team knows that.
0: Do you have like a hiring philosophy that you subscribe to?
2: So first and foremost, I never shortcut the interview process. I Hmm. take the interview process very seriously. I am still the leader that will literally go through their resume, go onto their LinkedIn profile, (laughs) do a few Google searches, find people that we're mutually connected with, and actually do my homework. And then I prepare for the interview. So I am still very methodical about um, hiring. And because hiring is the most important thing you can do as a leader, I will not compromise uh, the culture and the quality of my team. And so I need to be super committed to ensuring that we bring in the top talent. Philosophically, I am, I'll call it egoless. I, uh, like I said previously, am absolutely committed to bringing people into the organization that are far smarter than me, far better at their jobs than I can ever be. But I also want them to be open to trying new things, to being utility players, The beauty of small business and working on our team is you get to do a lot of different things. And so there are no silos. And so in addition to being masters at their craft, I also need them to be willing to do what it takes. And so that's the hiring philosophy I go after.
0: Yeah, I think there's just such a fine line between like that business owner mentality And the siloed mentality, right, is like you want to have the business owner that's also highly collaborative. Yes, yes,
2: absolutely. And I am unrelenting in hiring for exactly that.
0: Who are some of your role models when it comes to either leadership or just throughout your career that have kind of helped you become a better marketer?
2: So I've had a lot of different inspirations, I'll call it, and I think that leaders come in a lot of varied and a lot of varied and different forms. I mean, I think about some of the teachers very early on in my life. I, you know, started kindergarten. I didn't know how to speak English. And I had a most amazing kindergarten teacher that I still think about quite often because had it not been for her patience and for her guidance, I don't know if I would have been able to make it on to first grade. I think about the high school teachers that you know, believed in me, inspired me to think critically, to believe in myself, to think beyond what I was thought I was capable of at the time. So, you know, those types of individuals continue to inspire me. So I'll just say that um, from a marketing perspective, I'm inspired by the great marketing that's done at Salesforce and a lot of the amazing leaders that I've been able to learn from and who continue to coach me every day.
0: What about a campaign that you were really proud of?
2: So I know it's our most recent campaign, but it is, in fact, the campaign that I'm most proud of. And that's the path to our best business, the path to your best business campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the mission is featured in this, in our campaign. The reason why I'm so proud of this campaign is, first of all, it tested well. Uh, (laughs) But no seriously um
0: which is hard to do for SMBs again I'm, yeah. I know I'm beating the drum on this but it is hard to do
2: But it's because Salesforce frankly took a back seat and we really featured the customers in their environment focused on the business challenges and how we were helping them address it in their own words. And that's what I'm so proud of with this campaign. Not only is it beautifully shot and beautifully scripted, but the fact that the customers have really connected with the campaign and the feedback that we're getting, I couldn't ask for anything more.
0: But I just finished uh, interviewing, uh, Maggie a few days ago from, uh, Pep talker is yes, great. Talker, she's, yes. she's, she's awesome.
2: Incredible. She's such an inspiration.
0: Yeah. We were in the studio and it was like a thousand degrees in the studio and she's a champ.
2: She's used to it. She's from New York city.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, we got to get Laszlo on. I'd, that would be, he would be great. But no, I, I I love the campaign. I mean, obviously I'm like in it, but from an unbiased perspective, uh, from the person who's on the other side of the of the microphone, getting the questions asked to me during that. You no, know, I thought it was really interesting. And I think it's something that a lot of companies should look at, which is, how many ads do you see on TV that feature actors? Right? Like, why do we do that? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that that's a very, I love actors. I think that they have a different place. I think we should be writing, uh, I think marketers should be writing more fiction and leveraging, uh, actors for that, which is a whole nother story. But I, I, yeah, I just, I'm like, why are we not using authentic stories? You know, why, why do we do that?
2: And that's what I felt. I mean, that's why I love the campaign so much is we wanted our small business prospects to be able to connect with the campaign, but to see themselves in the people that were featured in our campaign. And I feel like we've really, really accomplished that.
0: If we can be relatable as a company that's making <laughs> custom podcasts, then, uh, uh, well, hopefully hopefully we helped. Um, what about campaign that was or elements of a campaign that were your biggest learning experience?
2: Yeah. So not at Salesforce, but at my previous company, we launched a campaign that helped me really appreciate how critical the creative brief is. And I Mm. say this because I know that some of the marketers listening out there might be rolling their eyes, but I am a huge proponent of building a really, really strong creative brief because it helps you address all of the critical questions. And one of the things that we didn't do with this campaign that I worked on at a company long ago was we underestimated how critical it was going to be to actually produce the end deliverable. And what I mean by that is we, I'll I'll call it the get promoted campaign. We had planned on launching this incredible survey, collecting all of this benchmark data, sending that back out to all of the survey respondents, Mm -hmm. building this entire campaign around it. Well, you know, lo and behold, I think Halfway through it, we're like, oh my gosh, we underestimated how much this was going to cost, how much this was going to um, require of us from an execution perspective. And if we had taken that initial time from the get-go to really map out, okay, here's the brief, here's the plan, we would have never found ourselves in the situation that we found ourselves, which was basically asking the CMO for more money to complete the campaign.
0: It's funny I went through a creative brief all day yesterday and uh, I could, I was, I was talking to Chad and Stephanie about this afterwards. And I was like, I don't know who reviews this brief, but I was like, this is immaculately done. But no, it's, it's one of those things, I think to every final detail, you know, we, uh, we interviewed uh, Michael Mendenhall, who is the CMO at Trinet. And he was talking about how Steve Jobs, he worked for Steve Jobs and Michael Eisner. And both of them would just be like kickback for rewrites. Like this uh, chunk of Toy Story is, it, it doesn't work, cut it. And then, you know, that idea of like, is this your best work? And I think that there's kind of that, That kind of dichotomy where you have, I want to do my best work to be able to create something amazing, but I also have to be realistic of like, is this thing going to get made for the amount of money that we want to do it? And when you have a black box there, you're just not going to be trusted by your CEO. Like that's the big thing. If, if you go to them for some big campaign and then it runs over, which like creative work always runs over. That's the thing. And it's always on editing.
2: Right. Right. Oh, totally. And
0: then you squeeze your Vendors are your, you know, video people on like doing overtime and all this sort of stuff, and then you're a bad company to, to partner with. So it's like that that butterfly effect. So how do you fix it? What do you do in the future?
2: So, while I'm maniacal about creative briefs, let me tell you about that. And frankly, our entire team, is we spend a lot of time working on it. But and frankly, I think this is why I value a lot of the time that I've spent in program management throughout my career mm. is. I'm now hyper-focused on building realistic timelines with realistic budgets, always accounting for overage. And so it was a huge lesson learned for me fairly early on in my marketing career.
0: What do you think for SMB campaigns, for marketers that are struggling to figure out how to do SMB campaigns, how could they get them on the right track?
2: Mm. Well, this is going to sound super simple, but you need to first understand who your target audience is and spend a lot of time with your target audience, understanding what keeps them up at night. What are some of the challenges that they're facing? Kind of walk in their shoes. Like we have most of our marketing team spending a lot of time, not only with our prospects, On prospect calls, but also with our customers. And so that's the first thing that I would say is like, you absolutely have to know who your customer is in and out. Don't bother with any marketing. Don't spend a penny until you've done that.
0: Uh, that's great advice. It reminds me of, uh, and this is slightly morbid, but uh, the the show Mindhunter, the, the guy is talking about, uh, this. it's relevant. I'll bring this. I'll land this. I promise. Um, he was talking- I'm to, waiting. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're talking about seri- catching serial killers, and they were like, the only ones that you interview are the ones who get caught. But it's the same, In a, again, in a non-morbid sense. It's like, if you're only interviewing people who did buy- you're ignoring the people who are not buying. And that's equally valuable. And I think a lot of times we struggle to like get bottom up refinement from that, from the marketing community, because those conversations happen in sales.
2: It's so true. You have to, I mean, I said earlier, you have to be egoless. Like you really do have to understand who your customers are. And you raise a great point. Like talk about the people who didn't buy Yeah. and talk to the people who didn't buy and why they didn't buy. And, you know, bring that feedback back into not only the product organization, but also how you um, market to them too.
0: Yeah. I was talking to a friend who works in essentially like high-end real estate. And I was being, you know, offhand about this event that we were going to at Andreessen Horowitz. And he was like, yeah, like, or no, I was mentioning the podcast report that they did. And we we got mentioned And I was like, it's super cool uh, that we got mentioned in this thing. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that? And I was like, "It's <laughs> like really like you don't you don't know." And he was like, "Do you know who you know? Some name of some real estate com- company is." I was like, "No, I don't know who that is." And he's like, "Yeah, because I'm not in technology and you're not in real estate." And it was kind of one of those things where it's like the classic "I'm in a bubble" scenario where it's like you assume that your customers like know what CRM is or like know what SaaS is or know what you know, whatever it is, like e-signatures or whatever thing that might be one feature of your product that is just completely something they, they don't understand. And, you know, we talk about all the time on the show, confusion equals no sale. So if you don't know why people aren't buying and what are the specific things like of, of why that is, it's it's just going to be pretty hard to resonate.
2: It's so true. I mean, particularly because we are working with small businesses and marketing to small businesses a lot of it has to come in the form of education. You brought it up, like, what is a CRM? Why do I need one? Why should I invest in this and make a trade-off for some other part of my business? And so a lot of what we're doing is building trust around that content that helps educate such that when they are ready to make a technology decision, that they choose us.
0: I wanna ask about, Essentials specifically because of like the price point and something that, you know, we've talked about this as, as a customer story, but I was a Salesforce customer before I knew I wanted to use it. We were super early stage and we just couldn't afford a lot. And so as soon as it was like hey, $25 a $25 seat license was like, Oh, this is perfect. Cause classic startup, you want to, you know, build like you're a big company, even when you're a small company, uh, cause it makes it easier to grow. I'm curious, just like, what was it like to like launch that product? And what was the response like?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I came into this role before we launched Salesforce Essentials, but the commitment to launch had already been established. And so in the lead up, like we were working on the actual name Oh, of no the pro- yeah of the product which was an interesting process i remember being on pto on vacation in europe and taking calls at 2 a.m. as we were wrestling back and forth with our naming and i remember there were a lot of people who were weighing in let's put it that way and i'm being very nice um but <laughs> I'll never forget this. We went out and did a, I mean, we basically made a data-driven decision and it was interesting because there were a lot of people who still did not want to go and go with the winning name, but we were like, nope, the data says Salesforce Essentials and Salesforce Essentials it will be. And The response. I mean, I remember sitting and standing on the stage at Dreamforce in 2018 and launching Salesforce Essentials. And we are continue to be so grateful for the response that we have received. I mean, it is amazing to see how many small businesses like you, you know, who had used Salesforce before and were daunted maybe by the price point, but now we've made it, not only simple and easy to use, but at a price point that every small business can afford. And so I'm super proud that we can bring the number one CRM, the global CRM leader to small businesses, um, whether they're a sole proprietor, mom entrepreneur, or you know the next CEO that thinks that they're going to become the next Uber or DoorDash.
0: And it's a classic example of everyone always thinks that they you know, can do marketing. And it's, and I think that a lot of times we like push against that instead of kind of like steering into it, because when you have the data to show it, then it makes the conversation a lot easier. Yeah. It's funny yesterday. So we were talking about like, what is the CRM? I have one of the, I was like, oh, CRM is essential to small business. I'm like, wait, I can't say that because that's, but it, but it it is one of those things where you you just think about like where would you be, right? You know, where would you be without accounting software? What would you be without, like, it is table stakes for doing business? Fundamental. Yeah. It's Um, essential. All right, let's get into the lightning round questions. These (laughs) questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing with the world's number one CRM. You, I mean, obviously you, know and love Pardot, so I don't need to convince you. But for our listeners, go check it out. It's amazing.
2: I'm a Pardot evangelist.
0: Hey, there you go. Lightning round questions. Are you ready?
2: I am ready. I'm ready for the challenge.
0: Okay. Number one, what's your favorite thing to cook or eat?
2: Oh, favorite, paella.
0: Oh, that's a good I
2: one. make a mean paella.
0: Uh, well, I mean, we're going to have to, we'll see about that.
2: <laughs> paella cook-off.
0: Do you have a hidden talent or passion?
2: My hidden talent is dancing like nobody's watching.
0: But people were watching at the beginning of this episode. That is true. Uh, when we did a dance party. I have some mean dancing skills. Favorite band or
2: artist? Post Malone. Influenced by my two teens.
0: What is your favorite vacation spot?
2: Favorite vacation spot would have to be Barcelona, which is where I honeymooned.
0: What book or podcast that you're reading or listening to is particularly enjoyable?
2: Well, in addition to The Journey, yeah, sure. I would say uh, I'm reading uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Oh, yeah. Really great. good book.
0: We did an episode of the story on Phil Knight. Oh, I'll send it to you. Oh, it's send really it good. to me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but you're reading the book. Yes. So. <laughs> Spoiler alert. What would be your best advice for a first time head of marketing?
2: My best advice for, it's not only just for a VP of marketing, it's for anybody. You have to be super prepared for anything. And so I would say, be on top of your game, know your data.
0: What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often?
2: Oh, yes. How do you pronounce your maiden name? Oh,
0: how do you pronounce your maiden name? I don't know. What is your maiden name?
2: Well, it has an X in it. So most people freak out when they see it, but it's LockSog.
0: Oh, that's it. Right. That's all we got.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're super
0: excited. And obviously, like, um, it's just been great working with you and the whole team. We're super
2: pumped. Great partnership. I know you guys have a partnership with quite a few teams at Salesforce, but we're particularly appreciative.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks
1: for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes.